0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. A few days after this episode airs, today's guest will be graduating with a Master of Divinity degree from Beeson Divinity School. He happens to be one of Kristen's and my favorite people. I've had him in class, he's worked as my TA, we've really become good friends, and by the time you hear this, he will have preached in Hodges Chapel, which is quite an honor for one of our students, only one student per term gets to preach in a chapel service. Before Kristen introduces him, let me say a few words about students here at Beeson. Every semester, a new cohort of men and women come to study here to prepare for ministry in The Church of Jesus Christ. We are a residential program and expect our students to forego full-time jobs so they can immerse themselves in our family of faith and learning. We believe that in-person, face-to-face education is the best way to prepare for in-person, face-to-face ministry. So our students make sacrifices to be here. The most important way, of course, that you can support them while they're with us is to pray for them regularly and fervently. But another way you can help is by giving to one of our student scholarships. Would you please pray about making a gift this Christmas to one of these scholarships. Drop me a line if you do so. I'd like to thank you for your commitment to the future of gospel ministry. All right, on that note, let's turn to one of our best and brightest students and listen to what the Lord has been doing in his life. Kristen, who do we have with us on the show?
1: Thanks, Doug. We have Samuel Hagos. He is a graduating MDiv student, as you've just said, from Dallas, Texas. And he is also this fall's James Earl Massey Preaching Award recipient. And just to add in my own comments about Samuel, Samuel started working in my office in the area of marketing communications, assisting me, uh, I believe, uh, during his first year at Beeson before you took him away, Doug, as your TA. And Samuel has just been, as, as Doug has said, a good friend also to me and a hard worker, and someone who has contributed greatly to this community, he was also the first president of our newly formed Minority Student Fellowship. So we're ecstatic that he's on the show. And for those of you listeners who really do tune in every week, his voice may sound familiar because a few years ago, he was my co-host on the Beeson podcast as we put Doug in the hot seat to talk to him about one of his books. So welcome, Samuel, to the Beeson podcast again.
2: Thank you for the invitation. It's a delight to be here with you both.
1: Well, it's great to have you on this side of the microphone yeah. as our guest. Would you introduce yourself more fully to our listeners? Uh, tell us more about your family, uh, all that you want to tell us about Texas, and <laughs> how you came to faith in Jesus Christ.
2: Sure. I am Samuel. I'm a final semester MDiv student here at Beeson. For the last three years, I've served as an associate minister at uh, New Jerusalem Baptist Church in Bessemer, which is pastored by a two-time Beeson grad and a good friend of the both of you, Dr. Reginald Calvert, who's been a wonderful mentor to me the last three years there. Mm -hmm. I was born in Dallas, Texas, and grew up mainly in a neighboring town, Garland, Texas. I am the middle child of parents who immigrated to the U.S. from Ethiopia in the early uh, 1980s. And they both landed in Dallas, of all places, separately. And they met in Dallas, and they were married and settled and built a life there uh, for our family, my older sister, Milka, and a younger brother, Abel. Uh, So I lived there all of my life up until I moved to Birmingham to come to Beeson, and a part of my faith journey, something I don't think many people know about me is that I actually was baptized and was part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church up until the point I was about to the third, fourth grade, uh, toward the end of elementary school. So, with regard to my faith journey, I, I genuinely can say that I don't remember a time in my life where I did not know about the person and work of Christ. I grew up in a really good family home environment, grew up in the church. And I don't have a radical conversion story like Paul, but from a very young age, I can say confidently that the Lord has you know, called me to himself and that God in his mercy has placed me in a wonderful family and put great mentors and leaders in my life that have helped nourish me in the faith, um, which I've been super grateful for as a part of my uh, life journey. And around uh, the fourth grade, my family moved to Garland. And in the ironic providence of God, Ah, uh, we literally lived right across the street from a Baptist church, and so out of convenience, we literally went across the street to church. And um, lo and behold, that's where the Lord helped develop me in my faith. That's where I gave my life to Christ. Where I accepted my call to ministry. I had a wonderful pastor, uh, by the name of Mark Clements, who was such a is such a great preacher and a good man who was so generous with me and my family and helped develop me in the faith and in my calling. Uh, into pastoral vocational ministry. And we went there out of convenience. It was right across the street from our home. Uh, quite a distinct shift from the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, to say the least. But it's where the Lord had us, uh, had me from the time I was around the fourth grade or so up until the Sunday before I left to come to Birmingham to start at Beeson. Um, and so I felt called to ministry around the time I was ending middle school and entering high school. And as I was finishing high school, you know, I was thinking about college and thinking about. Um, how I wanted to study theology and biblical studies in my undergrad and really give myself to preparing for ministry. And I had a youth pastor who served as an intern at the time, but he became a youth pastor named Kyle, who was a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. And so I was ending my time in high school, about my junior year, he was telling me about this small school in East Dallas called Criswell College that he would drive by every day on his way to school. And he told me to look into it. He knew I was felt called to ministry. And my junior year of high school, he took me to a preview day there. Um, and I fell in love with the school. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans preached that preview day chapel uh, message. And I really felt a great clarity on this is where the Lord had me. It was the only school I applied to, uh, was admitted, and that's where I spent my college years, um, studying theology and church history and biblical studies from 2014 to 2019, um, up until the time I moved to Birmingham to come to mm-hmm. Beeson.
0: When did you first hear about Beeson, Samuel? It's kind of interesting. You you said in your story, your youth pastor. In high school was a Dallas <laughs> Seminary guy. Dallas, of course, is a wonderful seminary. A lot of friends there. Sure. So how does someone under the influence of a Dallas Seminary youth pastor even hear about Beeson and get to Beeson?
2: So it's really interesting. So while I was a um, student at at Criswell, I worked full-time for three years in the admissions office as, a, as an admissions counselor. And so while I was um, in my undergrad studies, I knew I wanted to pursue an MDiv. Uh, Criswell has an MDiv program. And a part of the benefits of being a full-time employee was tuition. And so I had resolved within myself, you know, years before I graduated, that I would just stay I would stay at Criswell and pursue an MDiv there. They have a really great program there. And it was my last year of college. Um, I was a TA for one of my professors named Dr. Christopher Graham, who teaches church history. And um, he, in the fall of 18, I got on his calendar to get coffee. We are just going to catch up kind of want to talk about post-school, post-graduation possibilities and whatnot, and my plans of staying and doing MDIV, MDiv there. And, and in a unique way, he sort of selflessly um, and kindly was like, um, you know, you ever thought about going elsewhere? And at first I was like, what do you, you know, what do you mean? You want me to leave you, Dr. Graham? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, at the time I was 22 years old. Um, you know, my family was in Dallas, but he was helping me see that there wasn't really much keeping me in Dallas in the sense of like, the world is so large, the country's so big, there's so many schools across, great schools across the country you can go to, mm-hmm. and he was like, this is a time in your life where you're able to, you know, pack up and move, um, and he said, prayerfully consider it, and so Dr. Graham really kind of opened my horizons in a real sense, and so we came up with a short list of schools I was interested in, and I knew of Beeson Mainly because I knew of Dr. Robert Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. I had heard him preach before. Throughout college, I went, I went to the E.K. Bailey Preaching Conference every year, and so I knew of Dr. Smith by name, and which led me to doing more research on Beeson. And I, I knew I wanted to go somewhere that wasn't denominationally affiliated. I wanted to be at an intentionally interdenominational place, which is different than being non-denominational. Mm-hmm. And so I think the benefit of learning from many different traditions. Uh, and denominations, was somewhere I I wanted to be shaped and formed by. And so Beeson really, honestly, was the only school I applied to. I didn't have any backup plans, and I really felt the clarity that the Lord had called me to come to Beeson after some discerning. And it really was an act of faith. You know, I actually had not been to Birmingham before. I, I came for a few days the summer before. But aside from that, when I made my deposit, accepted, you know, admission, uh, decision. I had not been to Birmingham. I didn't know anybody in Birmingham. And and I can truly say it's been one of the most meaningful seasons of my life as I look back on it.
1: We're so glad God brought you to Beeson. I thought you were going to say it was our social media post that got you to Beeson. <laughs> uh, it
2: was a close second. Right, a close second.
1: <laughs> not to embarrass my, my co-host, Dean Sweeney, but Uh, As he has already said, you two have become friends, and I can testify as um, someone who knows you both um, that you all have formed a special uh, friendship, and it's not... Uh, very often, at least in my experience, that students who go to a theological school, a seminary, Mm -hmm. get to know the dean of the school, Mm -hmm. much less have a real friendship. So I wonder if you can share about your friendship uh, with our listeners and what Dean Sweeney has meant to you personally.
2: One of the, I think, greatest gifts um, in my coming to Beeson has been getting to know Dr. Doug Sweeney. Um, and Wilma Sweeney. They are two of my most favorite people in the entire world. You know, sometimes God places people in our lives who see things in us that we have yet to see, people who call out of us that which God has deposited in us, and people who believe in you more than you believe in yourself, you know. And Dr. Sweeney has been that person for me throughout these last few years. Um, You know, I've had the privilege of being his TA for the last few years, and he's just been so generous uh, with me and to me. The Sweeney's have shared so many meals with me over the years. Uh, One in particular sticks out to me one time, just to show you the heart of the Sweeney's. One time Wilma Sweeney, Beast and Divinities, as I call her affectionately, our first lady, learned how to make Ethiopian food. I don't think i told you this, Kristen. She learned how to make Ethiopian food one evening and, and made it for us for dinner, and it was delicious. And and I think that just kind of gives you a small picture of the heart of the Sweeneys and how much of a gift they are to Beeson Divinity School. You know, every semester, I don't know if listeners know, but every semester they host all new first semester students at their home, you know, for an ice cream social or some sort of event to get to know each other. And it just kind of shows the heart that they have for not only students, but the Beeson community at large. And so Dr. Sweeney's mentorship, friendship, has just been one of the most life giving things to me. I was looking over my, you know, transcript and actually Dr. Sweeney, I've had you more than any professor I've had at Beeson. And oh, you know boy, you don't you teach that much. And he doesn't teach that much. That's the kicker. He doesn't teach that much these days. But being able to be formed by such a, a, a brilliant scholar who's also just a good man, mm-hmm. um, has been one that 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 shapes you in ways that Will benefit you for a lifetime, and and when I think of Doctor Sweeney, I think of what um, what is what is said of Barnabas in Acts chapter eleven. Um, he's described as a good man who is filled with the Holy Spirit, and through whom many people came through faith through him.
1: Mm.
2: And I think that's that's what that's what describes Doctor Sweeney and his generosity and friendship to me. And so I want to say on record, Doctor Sweeney, uh, thank you, Loma, uh for your generosity and kindness to me over the years. And when God places people in your life who invest in you, who are upright, and who love the Lord, uh, you can't help but honor the Lord with your very life. And so, man, thank you for sharing yourself with me and Wilma, um, who I love so dearly.
0: You are most welcome. We love you, too. But enough about us. (laughs) Let's talk about some other things here at Beeson Divinity School. Uh, You're nearing the end of three and a half years. This is a significant season of your life. And of course, we tell everybody we're all about forming students in person, helping them grow up into maturity in Christ, helping them grow in skills Mm -hmm. and uh, develop gifts that they're going to need for uh, a long life of ministry. So as you reflect back, we want you to tell our listeners the honest truth. You know, no pulling the wool over anybody's eyes. What has your Beeson experience been like? How would you characterize it? Just in case there's somebody listening right now who is either thinking about seminary mm-hmm. or has a good friend or a loved one yeah. thinking about seminary, what has Beeson been for you?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I can genuinely say for the last three and a half years of my life um, have at Beeson have been uh, very formative and meaningful um, in a real sense. Uh, I feel like the Lord has given me so much grace and favor here at Beeson. Um, you know, when I came to Beeson, I I... I Felt called a pastoral ministry. I knew that's what I wanted. The Lord had called me in place on my life. And and I remember my uh, second semester, um, I was in, it was the spring of 2020. I was in a pastoral care and counseling class with Dr. Bowles, Gordon Bowles, who's just a gift to the Beeson community at large. And I remember um, he gives us these real life case study scenarios of a situation uh, that is brought to the pastor or the Counselor, and he would ask us what would we would do in that situation. You know, what what's some scriptures that come to mind? What's some uh, what would you admonish them to do? And I remember Dr. Sweeney feeling so ill-equipped to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I remember thinking like being so dumbfounded in the sense that I was like I I was questioning like I knew the Lord had called me to this, but I, I didn't feel ready to do it. And and I can genuinely say that um, throughout that pastoral counseling class, the Lord really used Beeson and Dr. Bowles in that class to shape my heart pastorally in such a way that, that that class served as a catalyst for me to be able to almost listen in on a different wavelength in another other classes I've had, whether it's my church history classes or my language classes, that that allowed me to be pastorally sensitive in the ways in which I engage my academic theological study. And so I, I guess I would say, you know, one of the gifts of theological education at Beeson, one of the things I've learned, is that tethering the academic with the, the practice of ministry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, you know, I started the semester right before COVID hit, you know, the fall of 19. And so just to watch, the world's very different from when it was when I started, even three years ago. Um, just to think about the global pandemic, I think about the millions of lives that were lost, and the millions of more lives that were impacted by loss. The amount of grief that just hovers over the world in a real sense, and you know, political catastrophe, you know, social injustice, and, and division. I think, kind of, to to be a, to be in seminary during these days have been just really interesting. Um, and, and I think by the grace of God, He's allowed me to see that, that life isn't just an academic adventure, you know. Don't get me wrong. Academics is important. You know, come to seminary if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. Um, I'm here. You know, I've given my life to this in a real sense. These last, you know, um, three and a half years and four years of undergrad of theological study, and so theological study is important and crucial, but it must not be divorced from the practice of everyday life of ministry. And I think pastoral care and counseling really helped me marry the two in a sense that that I'm able to. Sort of have this sort of pastoral sensitivity in my engagement um, with the world because people have real life issues that hit them. You know, uh, people have real life concerns that they're wondering. You know, what does God have to say about this? And the and 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 in, in these last few years, you know, I think I've been able to sort of put my head down and do my work, do my research, do my study. And uh, also serving in a church throughout my time at Beeson has been a, a tremendous gift to me, um, being able to marry the two. And so 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 having those two married while you're serving in a church throughout your academic study um, helps you not come out with the ivory tower mentality, like you're going to save the world and everyone looks to you for the right answers in a sense, but... but but it sort of forms you holistically in a way that you're able to minister and serve like Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that class was a, a tr- tr- had a tremendous impact on me. So I'm really indebted to Do- Dr. Bowles in a real sense um, that the Lord used him in my life that early on. It was my second semester, and that just set me on a trajectory for the rest of my um, uh, my, the rest of the curriculum, the rest of my degree. Um, and another gift and treasure of mine for my time at Beeson is actually the, the friends I've made at Beeson. Uh, the Lord has been just so gracious to me to give me um, several friends that I've um, encountered a deeper level of friendship than I ever have in my life, to be with people who are uh, committed to the work of the ministry, who are committed to uh, being faithful to what the Lord has called them to be and do um, you know, does something to you. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, Beeson, you kind of have cohorts. You know, you come in with a class and you sort of, you know, you go through your curriculum, the curriculum almost um, together in a real sense. And there's something about going through Hebrew three with people that you love that builds this deep bond <laughs> with one another, you know. Uh, and, and so that's been one of the most uh, life-giving things to me throughout my time at Beeson. And I know it will exist um, beyond my time at Beeson. And these are lifelong friendships that I'm super uh, grateful for. And, um, and and to add to that, you know, I think the accessibility and the mentorship I've received from several professors have been a, a wonderful treasure to me as well personally. You know, the, like, you know, Dr. Sweeney, um, Dr. Robert Smith, Jr., who's just been so generous and who is, I've never seen a professor who gives himself so much to students. Uh, like Dr. Smith does. Um, And so he's been a tremendous gift to me personally. Uh, I can think of Dr. Paul House. I mean, I was with him the other day in his office talking about 2 Samuel 23, my passage for a chapel and talking about the Davidic covenant that he just preached on in chapel last week. Um, Dr. Gordon Bowles and others um, who've just been so accessible and so um, willing to invest in in me. Um, They're willing to invest in their students that they see you more than what you can produce academically. Um, And I think that's been a wonderful gift to me. And finally, I would add, um, the church I've been at serving the last three years, three and a half years, have been just a a wonderful gift of God in my life. Uh, The Reverend Dr. Reginald Calvert is um, one of my favorite people in the world, one of the uh, best preachers I've heard, but also just such a good pastor and a good man who served at New Jerusalem for over 20 years now. And the wonderful people there have cared for me so well and they've been so encouraging to me in ministry. And I think I've had such a positive experience with that church that it just invigorates me to, you know, get, get back into the work of the ministry on a full-time capacity. Um, and so, so tethering my academic study to serving um, a local church congregation and being invested there was a tremendous benefit to my formation. Um, throughout my time at Beeson, and so for those who are uh, listening, I will always admonish students to just, you know, be plugged into a church, you know, give yourself to it, you know. I, church is messy, you know, people are messy, but that there is beauty in the ashes, that there is something that the Lord has for us in those seasons, and so I've just been super grateful for my time at New Jerusalem these last few years.
1: Well, you mentioned talking to Dr. House about this sermon that we've mentioned already a couple of times. and mm-hmm. I, I know you're still feeling the weight of it. Because you haven't preached it yet. And yes. um, by the time this airs, that weight will be gone. And we it will encourage all of you listeners to go to our YouTube channel at Beast Divinity and find Samuel's sermon there. So I wanted to ask, not necessarily about the sermon per se, but about what you've learned from our faculty about preaching and how you're learning in the preaching courses, or mm-hmm. maybe even in language courses mm-hmm. in which you've had to write sermons, yeah. how that is preparing you right now to preach in Hodges Chapel on November 29th.
2: Yeah, first I want to thank Dr. Robert Smith Jr. and Dr. Doug Webster and the faculty for their selection of me as the James Earl Massey Student Preacher Award uh, recipient. As uh, to To echo the words of Dr. Smith, I've heard him say before, um, I'm undeserving yet not ungrateful uh, mm-hmm. for the opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's a deep honor of mine that I'll forever cherish. Um, so I've had the privilege of of having both Dr. Smith and Webster as my preaching professors. And both classes, I think, personally, complement each other so well that I think have formed me in a more holistic manner, which I've been do- deeply grateful for, um, and I think I'm a better preacher because of it. And one of the gifts, I think, of having Dr. Smith and Dr. Webster is that they're They're both also practitioners of preaching. They, you know, I say this with all due respect to the both of them, but they've both been preaching and pastoring longer than I've been living, you know? (laughs) And being in a space where preaching is not just merely a theory or an idea, but a concretized reality um, and being formed by uh, professors who are who are good, experienced, and seasoned preachers enhances the classroom learning experience for students of preaching. And so that, that's been a tremendous gift of, 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 uh, of, that I've experienced throughout my time at Beeson uh, with regard to preaching. Uh, you know, Dr. Smith, in his definition of preaching, he talks about how the preacher is an exegetical escort who ushers hearers by the Word of God into the presence of Christ, the Son of God, through the power of the Spirit of God for the purpose of transformation. Mm-hmm. That's his definition of preaching. And and that definition um, and, and the way he expounds it in his class was really, in a real sense, sort of revolutionary for me in the sense that the preacher's responsibility is to be diligent in their study, um, to be congregationally sensitive and aware, and to be faithful to the text of Scripture f- for the purpose of ushering people Uh, by the scriptures to Jesus, you know? And what blessed me the most is that the preacher's responsibility, as Dr. Smith would say, is to transport people, not to transform people. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit that is responsible for people's transformation. And it's the Spirit who does the heavy lifting in preaching. And the reason I think that, that really resonated and really was, you know, revolutionary for me is that the preacher is that... Sometimes pre- in preaching or preachers feel that they're defined by the response of the people, but I think his the through line through his class is the reality that the preacher is supposed to be responsible to the text and the word that God gives them and that it's it's the Lord who's responsible for the response. We're just supposed to transport people, not transform people. And that lifts a load off people's shoulders mm-hmm. to feel like you're responsible uh, for changing or transforming people. And I think realizing that the preacher is not defined by the response that they receive from the hearers is a really freeing reality in the preaching uh, moment. And so that was really helpful for me to learn through Dr. Smith's class and, and furthermore, I think Dr. Smith taught me, a, taught us a good method for preaching and sermon preparation. Um, he has a 10-step method that some think is rather exhaustive, but for my mind, it works so well for me, you know, um, and and I've benefited tremendously from it. But But also I think Dr. Smith's integrity and his strong emphasis on the ethos of the preacher the one who is able to the one who has good good integrity not allowing the message to be tainted by the the life of the messenger and i think having a model like dr smith and dr webster who are both just good upright people uh, who are faithful to the lord and faithful to their families and faithful to their students uh, shapes you in ways that are beyond what you can imagine, you know? Dr. Webster, you know, in his class I think we I learned about the sort of regular rhythms of preaching and sermon preparation. We preached about five times in that class and uh, we had significantly shorter sermons than I'm accustomed to. You know, we would preach about 15 minute sermons and growing up Baptist and being Baptist, 15 minutes is almost like an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so being able to sort of refine, have a, the discipline of re- refining the sermon into 15 minutes, which for me is about 2,000 words. I've kind of narrowed it down to it is a real discipline, you know. Mm-hmm. But then tethered to that is, you know, I think Dr. Webster helped to see, helped me see in particular that, that that you don't have to exhaust everything in the text in one sermon, you know. Mm-hmm. A whole part of preaching the whole counsel of God is that we have a whole lifetime to learn about the goodness of the Lord throughout the testimony of in the witness of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to sort of have that discipline of preaching for fifteen minutes and refining your your thoughts so clearly and your message so succinctly uh, was a major tremendous benefit to me. Um, being able to to to, to do that. Um, and, and Dr. Webster, he, he has us, for every sermon we preach, you have to talk to two or three other people about your sermon, whether it's classmates or friends outside of school. So the collective nature of working on a sermon was a lot of fun, in a real sense, hearing people's thoughts about, you know, what you're what you're working through. And and Dr. Smith had us do that, too. We would meet with him several times. But I think uh, not working on sermons in isolation is a real gift, I think, to the, the, the church, in a real sense, um, seeing how people hear a certain passage or seeing, hearing how... Uh, passage uh, may lend itself to application to different contexts or communities has been a a, a major gift. And most importantly, I think the greatest gifts that Dr. Smith and uh, Webster have given to me is uh, themselves, you know. I've been able to talk to both of them separately um, on sermons I've worked on outside of school, you know, and they've always been a wonderful resource and always been willing to uh, listen to me and hear me out and give me resources. And um, encourage me in a real sense. So, so I've been I've been uh, I've been super grateful and blessed with my time in my preaching classes. And and I think, and I think to, to finally, I, there's a sense that like the whole Beeson curriculum plays a major role in the sermon process, uh, whether it's the preparation or the delivery. Uh, And I think for me, you know, my pastoral care counseling classes, my my marriage and family counseling class, and my pastoral theology class have really, you know, allowed me to have this sort of pastoral sensitivity when it comes to sermons. You know, people have come to church with real concerns, real things that are weighing on them and on their shoulders. And they want to hear, you know, what does God have to say about this? You know, some people literally are crawling to church trying to find some hope um and 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 i think and i find that people are are looking for looking for living water you know and i think i think emphasizing the sort of past- having a pastoral sensitivity and having the wherewithal to know that people come with real needs it, it the sermon it can't, it can't just be an intellectual exercise you know um, so I think I think in a real sense, a lot of my cl- most of my classes have served to benefit me in my in preaching in particular.
0: Well, Samuel, you're obviously a wonderful representative of the blessings of Beeson Divinity School, and uh, I'm really excited that we've given you an opportunity to tell your Beeson story to our listeners. But let's look ahead a little bit. You've heard me say. Uh, way too many times, probably, that seminaries exist not as ends in themselves, mm-hmm. um, but in the service of the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And practically speaking, that means we exist to serve real congregations.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's exciting to me that you already have some plans after graduation to serve a real live congregation. <laughs> It's uh, especially exciting to me that the congregation you will serve is pastored by such a fine uh, person, pastor, and Mm -hmm. one of the most beloved preachers of our day. Mm Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're going and how you got to the point where you're going there. I think you had, I know you had because I visited you there, (laughs) uh, an internship last summer at this church. Tell our listeners just a little bit about what that internship is like, uh, how it was part of your BESA and education, and how how the Lord's using it uh, as he guides you moving forward in the service of the church.
2: Yeah, so about a year ago, back in February, um, I began to think about Knowing this is my last year in seminary, I had one final summer left, I wanted to be very sort of strategic in the sense that I wanted to have find an internship where I could serve on a full-time capacity for a summer. Through Dr. Salina, I learned that Dr. Charlie Dates and Progressive Baptist Church were working on a summer internship program that coming summer. And in a real sense, it felt too good to be true. But as time went on, they had an application process. And I ended up submitting an application going through interviews and being accepted to serve as an intern there at Progressive. It was um, Pastor Charlie and Progressive's interest in bringing in a sort of handful of interns, seminary students, who felt called to serve as pastors in the black church, and more specifically, engaged in the work of like black church revitalization. Uh, much so like Pastor Charlie's story in coming to Progressive. So we, throughout the internship, we were able to sort of, you know, participate in uh, doing pulpit assignments, leading prayers and calls to worship, serving with the youth and children's ministry, and uh, meeting and talking about pastoral ministry with seasoned veterans in the ministry like um, Reverend James Meeks, who the pastor for almost 40 years at the Salem Baptist Church of Chicago, who also served as a state senator of Illinois for about 10 years. Bishop uh, Horace Smith of the Apostolic Faith Church in Chicago, who's also a medical doctor who served as a pastor, you know, for many decades. And so being able to sit and glean from seasoned pastors um was in a real sense priceless. Uh, as 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 uh, me and my fellow interns, we're we're on our way in. In a real sense, um, some of them were on their way to retiring or transitioning uh, to a different uh, vocation. But I think learning from people who have given their life to the service of the church and seen so many different uh, uh, seasons of the church uh, was really life giving. I had this, the privilege of of uh, serving. in in different ways. Also, at Progressive, I was able to teach a senior adults Bible study uh, class on Nehemiah chapter 1, which is a wonderful time. Um, And also got the privilege to officiate my first funeral. I did everything but the eulogy, uh, but but for them to be willing to entrust me with that responsibility was a deep treasure and honor. And so it was a wonderful experience being an intern there. I had wonderful co-interns who are all seminary students across the country, uh, and so it is a very life-giving season, and, and I could say that while I was there, it was a gift to see sort of the fruit of my labor, of my study, and my preparation these last few years at Beeson and at uh, New Jerusalem. Um, it was encouraging to be doing on a full-time level that summer for nine weeks, um, all that I've been studying and preparing for in a real sense. Sometimes, sometimes when you're in school for you know three and a half years and you put your head down, and you're doing your work. You're wondering, is this is this doing anything? And so, and so, I feel like this summer really kind of gave me a, a healthy, humble confidence in the fact that yeah, the Lord has been doing a lot in my life and shaping and preparing me to serve the church um, on a full time capacity. Um, and the people at Progressive and Pastor Charlie and their staff have just been so wonderful to us and to me, um, and so affirming and so so inviting. That it was such a positive experience that it gave me sort of fuel uh, to finish my last semester of seminary well and to get back out there in the work of the church. Um, and I mean this with my whole heart. Like, I, I, if God gives me the grace to be in ministry 20, 30, 40 years from now, I can genuinely say I'll look back and say, you know, one of those catalysts was the summer of 2022 when I served as an intern at Progressive Baptist Church of Chicago. Uh, having such a wonderful experience there at the church, being formed by wonderful uh, people like Pastor Charlie and Pastor Jamal Johnson and Deacon Gwyn Nash and their staff, who who were just so generous and loving and caring, and so it was a it was a very positive experience. I couldn't ask for a better opportunity, and I know it was the Lord's doing, um, um, opening that door for me to serve as um, an intern. And um, you know, as I'm finishing my final semester. Um, the Lord and his generosity and grace you know, opened a door for me to serve and join the pastoral staff at Progressive, which I'm deeply appreciative and grateful for. Um, so at the top of the calendar year, Lord willing, I'll be making my transition to Chicago uh, to join the staff there. Um, I'm super grateful and deeply honored for the opportunity to uh, return and serve at Progressive, where I'll be overseeing new membership intake and assisting people to get assimilated into the life of the church, as well as um, participating pastoral care capacities and teaching and preaching. Uh, so I'm deeply grateful and excited, and I want to go on record to say that that while many people have affirmed me in my giftings and ministry, uh, I think the reason why I have such a deep appreciation and affection for uh, Dr. Charlie Dates and the Progressive Baptist Church of Chicago is that in a real sense, they're the first ones to give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And So the risk and the faith that they have um, is not lost on me. And so with the Lord's help, you know, I want to honor the Lord and be faithful to what he's called me to do in this new season and honor Pastor Charlie and the church and staff uh, to the best of my ability. Um, And I'll I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, I'm no self-made man. You know, I I stand on the shoulders of many people who have come before me and invested in me and my life in meaningful ways. And I want to seek to honor that with my life.
1: Well, from Dallas to Birmingham to Chicago, the Lord has really been faithful um, and will continue to be. We're we're very happy and excited for you and proud of you, Thank you. as one of our own. Thank you. Uh, we always like to end these shows, as you know, by asking our guest what has God been teaching you these days mm-hmm. um, through His Word and. There's people that you would like to share with our guests as we uh, close out this episode.
2: Yeah, there is a line that actually Dr. Bow said to me a few weeks ago that has been ringing in my mind um, a lot. And he said, he said, the calling that God places on our lives is not something we have to live up to, but something God invites us to live into. Um, the Lord, I think, has been teaching me that I don't have to try to prove myself to God um, or anyone else for that matter. Um and if I could be honest, I think that's the temptation I've often felt with the preaching award in the chapel sermon that I've been preparing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I want to rest in a line that I read actually in Dr. James Romassie's biography. He read he wrote in his preface that I've made my prayer uh, based off of it. He he said, I pray that God would make me a good steward of the life he's entrusted to me. And that's been my prayer uh, the last few weeks and what the Lord's been teaching me. And so I want to encourage listeners to uh, in faith, walk into what God has called you to do and what God, who God has called you to be. You know, rest in the fact that the God who calls you is the God who keeps you. And as far as I'm concerned, God hasn't lost a battle yet, and he won't start with you. Trust Jesus. You know, he can do things that we can't.
0: Amen. Listeners, you have been listening to Samuel Hagos. He is one of Beeson's best and brightest. He's graduating this December with his MDiv degree. He hails from Dallas, Texas. He's headed to Chicago, Illinois, but we sure have uh, enjoyed having him here in Birmingham, Alabama for about three and a half years. Samuel, thank you for giving us this time today. Uh, We sure do love you. We'll be praying for you as you preach and as you graduate and as you head on uh, to bigger and better things in Chicago. Thank you. Listeners, we love you too. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, We're praying for you. We'd ask you to pray for us and we say goodbye
1: for now.